0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew delivers a special Christmas message concerning the virgin birth of Jesus, entitled, Christmas, preached December 22, 2013. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I do not believe in the so-called spirit of Christmas, I don't believe in Santa Claus or Jingle Bells. I believe in the birth of Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son. Birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, as foretold by the Lord through his holy prophets. Jesus Christ, as our confession said, one divine person in two natures, divine and sinless human nature. He is the only Savior of the world who made atonement for our sins. And the good news is everyone who believes in him shall be saved. The gift the Heavenly Father has given us is the unspeakable gift of the Savior, Jesus, the eternal Son of God. The question is Have you received Him? And additionally, have you proclaimed Him to your children that they may also believe in Him and be saved? The Savior Jesus Christ was begotten of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary as the Lord had promised over 700 years earlier through the Holy Prophet Isaiah. So during this season the true church celebrates the birth of this virgin born child the mighty God the son of David The everlasting king, the shoot out of the stump of Jesse, as well as the root of Jesse, the liberator of all burdens, the only savior of the world. And we read, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John 1, verse 3. John is telling us the Word is the creator of all things, visible and invisible. He created all, yet, He was not part of creation. Then we are told in verse 4, in him was life. By this, John tells us the origin of all life must be seen in Jesus Christ. Additionally, it tells us the cause of the continuation of this life must also be seen in this word who upholds all things by the word of his power and verse 4 says in him was life and that life was the light of men not only is Jesus the author of all life the true knowledge of God comes to us only through Jesus Christ He is the author of all revelation. There is no other way anyone can know God except through Jesus Christ. In verse 14 of chapter 1 of John, we are told the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John understands that Jesus Christ is the eternal word the personal being distinct from the Father God himself the creator and author of all life and the author of all revelation of God this God, this creator this word became flesh The mighty God lay helplessly as a baby in a cattle feeding trough. But John has no doubt as to who this one is. In verse 14 he continues, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, that is the only begotten who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And finally, in verse 18, John writes, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Thus, John introduces Jesus Christ to us, God became flesh. Some people, such as the late Professor William Barclay, a great Scottish scholar and and many others, look upon the birth of Jesus Christ as a crude fact. They do not see any beauty in this virgin birth. In his study on Matthew, Barclay tells us that the virgin birth is a doctrine that presents us with many difficulties. And he says, and our church, he was speaking about his church, does not compel us to accept it in the literal and the physical sense. Isn't that wonderful? We have come a long way. The creeds all stated that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is an essential part of the Christian faith. But Barclay says his church would not compel him or anyone else to believe and accept the virgin birth of Jesus Christ in a literal physical sense although he as a scholar Barclay knew that the Bible teaches a literal physical virgin birth thus Barclay says this one this is one of the doctrines on which the church gives us full liberty to come to our own conclusion He and his friends are telling us we do not have to believe what the Bible clearly teaches because we are living in the modern scientific age and should no longer believe in the primitive conception of miracles. But to me, friends, and to this church and to millions of orthodox Bible-believing Christians around the world, the virgin birth of Jesus is not an ugly crude fact to us who believe in God as the creator of the heavens and the earth believing in miracles is not at all an intellectual problem in fact it is the mark of true intelligence true divine wisdom Paul says we have the mind of Christ so we glory in the virgin birth of Jesus the second person of the Godhead because without the virgin birth the cross would be emptied of its power without the virgin birth Jesus would be just a sinful man not able to save anyone he himself would need a saviour if we remove the virgin birth then we remove the power of the cross to save us in the cross of Christ the infinite wisdom of God is made manifest let's look at Matthew's account the accounts of the birth of Jesus Christ as found in the gospels of Matthew and Luke are quite detailed and when we examine them we notice that they are independent of each other. Yet they agree in this great doctrine of the virgin birth. First in Matthew's account, Matthew tells us that Joseph had nothing to do with the begetting of Jesus. Matthew 1.16 says, And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And he explains this in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child pneumatos Hagiu through the Holy Spirit and in verse 20 you read that the angel was commissioned to come to Joseph at night in a dream contrary to what Joseph had thought the angel tells him again about the supernatural aspect of this pregnancy so the angel says Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is again a hagio of the Holy Spirit. So as Professor John Murray said, the Holy Spirit begat, and Mary conceived and gave birth. In verse 23, Matthew continues, All this took place so that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. What was that word? The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I agree with James Orr and J. Gresham Machen and a number of others, that the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 has a singular reference. This prophecy is speaking about the birth of Jesus Christ through the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus, Matthew, under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit who inspired Isaiah to write his prophecy, Matthew says that this took place in fulfillment of what the Lord spoke through Isaiah. Jesus was born of a virgin. In verse 25, Matthew goes out of his way to let us know that Joseph did not have any sexual relationship with Mary until this son was born. This refutes the idea of Mary's perpetual virginity. And finally it says, he, Joseph, gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. Giving Jesus his name meant that Joseph was adopting Jesus as his son and becoming his legal father. Joseph is addressed here as the son of David, which means that he is a prince. Although the Davidic dynasty had declined and was now in eclipse, but now we see that out of the stump of Jesse's line, came a shoot, a branch, who is King Jesus. He became the legal heir to that throne through Joseph, the son of David, and through Joseph's adoption of him. Please note that both Joseph and Mary descended from David. What about Luke's account of the virgin birth? Luke also gives us clear evidence of his belief in the virgin birth of Christ in Luke 127 we are told that Mary is called a virgin he Luke uses this word twice in that verse and in Luke 134 this young girl this virgin Mary asks Angel Gabriel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Meaning, to know a man sexually. And the angel's answer is that the Holy Spirit would come upon her. The power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Then Gabriel said, there is nothing impossible with God. Was Luke making this up? We must remember that he was a historian who was interested only in the truth. In Luke 1 we read, many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us. Luke was not setting out to write mythology. He was a historian whose purpose was to write The things that took place among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses, there is no question that the source for Matthew and Luke for this account of the virgin birth was Mary herself. Luke interviewed eyewitnesses and servants of the word, those who saw the events he was recording. Luke also states therefore since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning his intent was not to sit down and write a novel creating everything out of his own head. He was a historian who personally investigated all things about Jesus Christ from the beginning, which included, of course, the virgin birth. And because of his investigations, he says to his readers, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. For what purpose? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wanted his readers to know that Christianity rests upon historical facts. Thus Luke began his gospel account first by the narration of the supernatural birth of John the Baptist and second with the supernatural virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We must understand, this is something historical and factual. It is recorded that we may have the certainty of the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ has always believed in the virgin birth as revealed by its creeds. This doctrine is essential to our salvation. So unlike William Barclay and his church, our church believes and our church teaches and glories in the biblical doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus. If we deny the virgin birth, we will soon begin to deny all the miracles of the Bible. We will reduce Jesus to a mere man albeit an ethical man. In fact, we may say he is the best man, but still a man incapable of saving anyone. Right. What does such reductionism do? Friends, it removes the joy of Christmas by removing our Savior. Yet Bill O'Reilly of Cable Fox News said on December 9, 2013, the Bible is not a history book. If you want to believe it is, fine with me, he says. But it is a theological effort, by which I suppose he means mythological In my view, he believes that Jesus was a man, the natural son of Joseph and his wife Mary, a sinful man, like us, a kind man, a nice man, whom they crucified as they crucified many criminals. Now let us... Listen to J. Gresham Machen, the great New Testament scholar and founder of the world-famous Westminster Theological Seminary. And this is what he said. Our salvation depends squarely upon history. The Bible contains that history. And unless that history is true, the authority of the Bible is gone. And we who have put our trust in the Bible are without hope. Those who reject the virgin birth reject the whole supernatural view of Christ. And your pastor, Pastor Matthew says, those who reject the supernatural cannot be true Christians who have the life of God in the soul of men. Machen also explains that a man is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel. Part of that gospel is the stupendous miracle of the virgin birth. And Professor B.B. Warfield of the old Princeton said the supernatural Christ and the supernatural salvation carry with them by an inevitable consequence the supernatural birth now what does God say about his word can we trust his word in John 17 verse 17 we read sanctify them by the truth your word is truth The psalmist says the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. He also says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. God cannot lie. The so-called wise People, the intelligentsias of the world believe that the Bible is not true, that we must demythologize Allah, Boltman, rejecting all miracles, that we must not permit God to act in His world, and that we must believe the lie of a closed system of a chance universe. Now, Joseph makes a decision. Luke's detailed account of the birth of Jesus Christ gives clear evidence of his belief in the virgin birth. After the angelic announcement to Mary in Nazareth, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and she conceived. Mary then went from Nazareth to Judea to visit Elizabeth, and receive spiritual encouragement and fellowship from her. After three months, Mary returned to Nazareth and Joseph learned of Mary's pregnancy. Probably Mary said to him, I am with child by the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of a holy angel, Gabriel. Joseph did not believe Mary's explanation. In Jewish circles of that time, marriage consisted of first, a betrothal in which the couple exchanged vows of fidelity before witnesses. From that point on, the man was known as husband and the woman as wife. This was the first phase of marriage. But before the couple lived together as husband and wife, however, there was a period of about one year. At the end of the one year, the husband would come and ceremoniously take his bride to his home in a celebration such as we read about in Matthew 25. After the marriage feast, the couple would live together as husband and wife. Mary informed Joseph that she was pregnant. Being a just man, he didn't believe it. Joseph refused to marry her at the same time he desired to divorce her privately by writing her a bill of divorcement in front of the two witnesses and letting her go as permitted in Deuteronomy 24 1 he didn't want her to be stoned to death what was Mary doing during this time She trusted in the Lord with regard to this huge thorny issue. In my view she probably reasoned. Nothing is impossible with God. That's what Gabriel told me. I am pregnant that is true with the holy child by the supernatural work of the spirit. So she concluded, this problem with Joseph is not my problem. It is God's problem. He must solve it and he will solve it. I must trust God. And God's solution came sure enough God sent an angel to Joseph I am sure Joseph loved Mary and yet he could not go ahead with this marriage after deciding to divorce her privately he went to bed I am also sure before Joseph went to bed he prayed he probably said oh God take care of this matter I only want to do what is right according to your law the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream that night and brought a command from the Lord which we read in Matthew 1 20 and 21 what is it the angel told Joseph do not fear to take Mary as your wife God wanted him to go ahead with the second part of his marriage he wanted him to bring Mary ceremoniously to his house have a marriage feast and to begin to live with her Then God revealed the truth to Joseph about Mary. The angel said because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When Joseph heard these words, the darkness was dispelled from his mind. Why? The angel was saying that Mary was not an adulteress. She was a virgin innocent, just, righteous, pure in other words this pregnancy was God's work Joseph did love Mary so you can imagine the great joy that filled his soul as he heard these words friends Mary trusted God and he solved her problem friends nothing is impossible with God Then the angel gave further instruction. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. In other words, Joseph must protect Mary, honor her and provide for her. He must adopt this son by naming him which was an official act. Thus Joseph would become, as I said, the legal father of Jesus. As I said, Joseph was... The prince, the son of David, the legal heir to the throne now by being named and adopted by Joseph, Jesus became the legal heir to the throne of David. He is Jesus, the king whose kingdom is everlasting. Notice how Joseph went to bed with one decision and woke up with God's decision. How many times do we decide without facts or understanding? I tell people, go and pray, and often they come back and say, I prayed. But I do not know what they really did. Prayer means going to God and saying, God, show me your way, your decision. I have already decided, but it doesn't have to be right. What is your decision? It may surprise you to discover that sometimes God's decision is the exact opposite of the decision we have made Joseph accepted God's guidance and changed his previous decision to divorce Mary he took her for his wife protected her, provided for her, honored her and when she gave birth he dutifully adopted her son and gave him the name Jesus friends notice his immediate exact and joyful obedience to the word of God now what is the purpose of this virgin birth who is this Jesus the angel told Joseph you ought to give him the name Jesus why because he will save his people from their sins all their sins the Greek text tells us that he himself he alone is able to do it meaning there is no other savior in the whole world Jesus alone shall save his people here then is revealed the purpose of this virgin birth what is the purpose to give us a savior who is able to save his people from their sins by his atoning death in Psalm 49 verse 7 and 8 we read no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for himself the ransom for a life is costly no payment is ever enough And verse 15 says, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to Himself. And in Psalm 130, verse 7 and 8, we find another reference to what is recorded in Matthew 1. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. In the fullness of time, God, through the Virgin's birth, is giving us a sinless Savior who is God-man able to redeem us from all our sins. Joseph was told to name him Jesus for he alone would save his people from their sins. Now Jesus was a common name during the New Testament times and anyone could name his child Jesus. The name Jesus is taken from the Hebrew verb yasha which means to save and deliver people from danger, sickness and death and so on. But the problem is, can any person by name Jesus save another from these problems? And who can deliver us from the greatest problem of man, which is sin? That is man's fundamental problem. In Acts 4, 12, Peter says, there is no other Savior than Jesus Christ. And what does he save his people from? their sins let me assure you the fundamental problem of man is not political, economic, social, medical or educational the fundamental problem of man is sin it is the cause of all human sufferings and all other problems in Genesis 3, we see how sin came into humanity. Adam sinned, and through him we all are sinners. The human heart is the problem. In Jeremiah seventeen nine, we read that our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And in Romans 3 we read, there is no one seeks God and all have turned astray. There is no fear of God in man. Jesus also spoke about the human heart. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, falsehood, slander, and so on. In the depths of his heart, man, friends, is an enemy of God and cut off from the life of God. Sin has separated man from God. And Jesus came to solve the problem and reconcile us to God through the cross. We must recognize that Jesus alone is perfect perfect God and perfect sinless man and as such only Jesus can give his life for us a ransom for many only Jesus Christ of Christianity can save sinners in Matthew 26 and verse 28 while instituting the Holy Supper Jesus said this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There is no other way to save people from their sins except the sinless God man coming into the world and dying on the cross for our sins. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 Paul wrote God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 Paul wrote Christ died for our sins. I want you to know that the one who lay helplessly in the cattle trough in Bethlehem is the almighty God become flesh. He died on the cross for sinners that he may redeem his people Jews and Gentiles from their sins. The covenant with Abraham is that in his all the families of the earth be blessed and Paul says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her therefore the elect people of God by grace will surely repent believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved as the gospel is preached to them they will repent they will turn to God and they will be saved from all their sins their guilt because Jesus Christ will save all all his people what does salvation mean first it means salvation from sin from the guilt of sin the pollution of sin the power of sin the punishment of sin the presence of sin Total deliverance we find in Jesus Christ the problem is sin and is dealt with totally and comprehensively by Jesus Christ not only that we are saved to serve God to enjoy life eternal what is the purpose of salvation that we may have fellowship with God and his son Jesus Christ our Lord as we read in John 17 verse 3 No, this is eternal life. That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Know their means to love and have communion and fellowship. The virgin born Jesus Christ who obeyed God fully died on the cross in behalf of our sins and gave us eternal life. This is God's only way of saving, there is no other way in contrast to that there are man's ways of saving himself, as I said before a French psychotherapist claimed that he solved the problem of man by auto suggestion he said it was very simple, one needed only to get up in the morning and chant this mantra Day by day, in every way, I'm getting better and better, and there would be no problems. Modern man denies the true and living God and chants the mantra I'm God, I can create my own reality. A new Ageism teaches this lie that man is God. But the problem is all human diagnosis of human problem is false. And so all human solutions are false. God looked at man and saw his problem which is sin. And sent a savior his only son to solve that sin problem. And bring us back into joyful fellowship with him. Thus God says to us I know your problem it's your heart you are a rebel who is cut off from God the solution to your problem is through my son the savior King Jesus through his death he will solve the sin problem and reconcile you to me and that is what Jesus Christ did the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus let me tell you any effort of self-redemption by a sinner is utter foolishness and impossibility God gave us a savior from heaven Paul says Jesus is the second man from heaven and Matthew tells us he is Emmanuel God with us Jesus is God and Jesus is with us always so fear not friends he who is with us And in us is greater than the devil who is in the world. In Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors of all our enemies. So finally, I must ask you two extremely serious questions. Listen, friends, listen. First, have you received this personal gift of the father, this unspeakable gift of his son? Second, have you given this gift to your children? These are serious questions. Why this this one is Emmanuel, God with us? Jesus said, "Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age." Friends, he is our good shepherd, so we lack nothing. He is with us. Sir. Truly, to us a child is born, a son is given for our salvation and for our everlasting joy the word became flesh God the creator the eternal son of God became flesh and dwelt among us he came to dwell now listen with the sick William Hendrick and says to heal them he came to dwell with the demon possessed to liberate them. He came to dwell with the poor in spirit to bless them. He came to dwell with the care ridden to rid them of care. He came to dwell with the lepers to cleanse them. He came to dwell with the disease to cure them. He came to dwell with the hungry to feed them. Not only with physical bread but with the living bread. And above all, he came to dwell with the lost. He came to dwell with the lost to seek and save them. He is nobiscum Deus, with us, God, in Jesus Christ. And yet a greater reality awaits us at his second coming. The twenty-first chapter of the book of Revelation tells us of this nobiscum deus in fullness. Listen, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea, I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared us a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And be their God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The late Professor Ita Linemann of Germany gave several theological lectures here in this church in 2001. She had attended the University of Marburg, Tübingen, Göttingen. She studied under Professor Rudolf Bullmann the father of demythologization, as well as under Ernst Fuchs, Friedrich Gogarten, and Gerhard Ebeling, and others. She wrote books in defense of unbelieving historical criticism. Then Jesus saved her. Yeah. So she counseled people to burn all her books written in defense of rationalism listen to her and I quote my no to historical critical theology stems from my yes to my wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to the glorious redemption accomplished for me on Golgotha friends can you rejoice because God in Jesus Christ is with us for do you still refuse to believe that he is the eternal God who became perfect man the divine person who took to himself a perfect human nature so that in it he may die on the cross for your salvation if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ may God have mercy on you May he help you to hope in nothing else and in no one else but in God's Son. He alone is our Savior, our Lord, the Son of the Most High, the Holy One, Jesus. Amen and amen.